One pro tip that I learned, well, we, I think we were in Rome. I don't remember for sure, but I love the American style of cheese pizza. And I learned when we went to a pizza place here in Italy that if you see something that would translate to four cheese pizza, it doesn't always mean that there's anything else on it. You're listening to Take Off to Travel, a weekly dive into the travels of your hosts, Colin and Olivia. We're going on a world trip for 13 months with just $25,000 each. Each week, you'll hear our tales, tips, and tricks as we explore the world. Hello, and welcome to episode 12 of Take Off to Travel. I'm your host, Olivia. And I'm Colin. And today, we're going to tell you all about our first impressions of Italy. We have now been here almost exactly a week, and like always, we've done a lot, but... It's our first month in Europe, which is really exciting. So I think we should maybe start in Australia on our long, long, long adventure to Europe. So do you want to maybe give a summary of how that was? Yeah, so we flew out of Brisbane and we have heard horror stories of the Brisbane airport immigration getting out of the country. We wanted to get there four hours early instead of three and Olivia did bad math, and we ended up there five hours early instead of four. So we, we hang out at the airport for five hours, get through security, no problem. No problem at all. Hang out at the airport for five hours, no lounge this time, which was sad. And then we got on the plane and flew for 15 hours starting at 10 p.m. So it was a red-eye flight. It wasn't too bad. We slept for the first eight hours of the flight, but that still left seven hours of flying. It was it was quite a bit. How did how did you feel about the flight? Well, I I'm usually a very good sleeper on flights. Like I usually have no problem with it. And that held true in this case where I fell asleep pretty much as soon as the plane took off. And like you said, I slept for probably eight hours. And there's just this feeling of defeat when you wake up after sleeping for eight hours and there's still almost the exact same amount of a full night's sleep ahead of you on the plane. There's just this overwhelm of like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? Which obviously it ended up being fine. I think I kind of drifted in and out of sleep. They fed us a lot of meals and it was fine, but it was just a long flight and I would not want to do that again. Yeah, I'm trying to think of the movies we watched. I watched Car Wash, that uh, Will Smith animated. Watched about five minutes of that and fell asleep. I turned on probably a half a dozen movies. Yeah. And then I'd make it like 20 minutes in, sleep for like 20 minutes, wake up and be like, nah. Yeah, I can't think of a single movie I watched all the way through on that plane. But anyway, after we landed, we had a quick two-hour layover in Doha. Which is a huge airport. Yeah. We, it took us probably 20, 30 minutes to walk from where we got off the plane to our next gate. And then the, it was only like 20 gates numerically that we had to walk, but it was so spread out that it took a good 30 minutes to walk there. Yeah. I was a little sad that we didn't get to actually go explore Qatar, but just not on this trip. So maybe that's a future future thing so then we boarded our next flight which was from doha to rome and And that's when everything bad started happening to me what do you mean i spilled my coke on me in the plane 
I I think I dropped food on myself too. And me. So it was just a messy flight for me. My pants did dry by the end of it, but yeah, I was I was miserable for hours and hours and hours on that flight because my pants were wet. Yeah, I think that flight felt longer to me in a weird way than the 15-hour flight because we'd already been going for so long and it still felt like, felt like we had so far to go. Whereas I feel like when we were flying from... Seoul to Chiang Mai, which was a six-hour flight after a 12-hour flight. When we got to Seoul, I felt like we were almost to Thailand, and I was, like, so excited and wound up. And this time, when we got on that flight to Rome, I just felt like we weren't even close. I I don't know what the difference was, but it was a long travel day. I have some guesses on differences. So, in Seoul, we actually got 24 hours so it didn't see that next day didn't seem as bad. We did the math and not including the five extra hours we spent at the airport, we did 23 hours of traveling. So 15 hours, two hour layover, and then another six hours of, of flying. So included in that five hours, that's over one full day of traveling just straight. So that, that's probably why it felt so long. That is true. But we made it to Rome okay, we got off the flight, our bags made it, and we bought a ticket for the Leonardo Express from the airport into the city center. So while we're on the train, you got your very first look out into the city of Rome. Tell me what your first impression of Rome was, and be honest. My first impression of Rome coming in on the train, it looked pretty run down and just uninhabited. We were obviously on train tracks, and the area by the train tracks was not pretty. It was not bustling city. It was it was just rundown buildings, commercial real estate type like warehouses. Just seemed like a generic city. By the time we left Rome, had your opinion changed at all of the city? Um, it took a while. The first day we were there, we kind of stayed by our the train station and our hostel. And it just, it was just a generic city. Sure, it had the European, generic European buildings, but eh. And then we went to the Vatican, we did the Colosseum, which was really cool. I I wasn't really wowed by Rome. I thought you said it lived up to your expectations towards the end. Towards the end, yes. It was, I mean, it was cool with the stuff just being in the, in the neighborhood, like it's, in the U.S., if we have something historic, it's, like, usually off in the woods or, or something that, like, civilization has just kind of forgotten about it. But in Rome, it was just built up around the historic sites, which was cool. Well, I'm sad you didn't like Rome, because I love Rome. I thought it was beautiful. It was everything that I remembered, and then we got to actually explore stuff that I'd never seen before. Because I went to Rome during my semester abroad for literally a day and a half to visit one of my friends. And while I was there, I remembered going to the Vatican and I remembered seeing the outside of the Pantheon. And I I didn't really remember why, but I just remembered thinking that the Vatican was like the coolest museum I had ever seen. And I know I told Colin that. And so I was really excited to go back and re-explore the Vatican because it's now been six years. And I'm happy to report that 
But at least for me, the Vatican lived up to what I remembered. It was so beautiful, so gigantic, and just so stately and grand and just absolutely incredible. And I would personally say if you go to Rome, you can't miss the Vatican. No, the Vatican was a lot of fun. What else did we do while we were in Rome? Because we walked a lot. If you guys follow our Instagram, that very first day, we just happened upon a beautiful lookout to Rome and St. Peter's Basilica. And and just like happening upon views like that uh, was really cool. So we we did. I don't even remember what the what the ground was called. The Villa Borghese. Yeah. I have no idea if I'm saying that right. The Villa Borghese. Borghese. We did Trastevere, and I'm saying all of these names wrong. So don't you can laugh at me. We did a bunch of piazzas. Piazza yeah. Navona. Piazza with the trophy fountain. We went. I forget what the name of it was. The the one with the Spanish steps. Yeah, we sat on the Spanish steps and got yelled at to stand up. They don't like people sitting on it. I don't know if that's a new thing or or it was just a cop having a bad day. We took a lot of Rick Steves audio tours that weekend, which I personally really liked. I don't know how you felt about them. Yeah, he's goofy. And like, a, you'll roll your eyes, but also giggle at it. So it's like the perfect amount of goofy. And it's nice because it's free. You don't have to pay for a tour pay extra money for a tour like we just had to pay for the entrance and then we had a free tour just to listen on our phone which was nice yeah we took a tour of the vatican and sistine chapel and then another one of just like the i guess the core of rome is probably what it was called and then we took another one the third day when we went to the Colosseum and the roman forum and honestly i kind of think it's a tie for me between the Va- the Vatican tour he had was really good and the one he had for the Roman Forum was really good because I don't know that I would have gotten as much out of the Roman Forum if we had just gone in on our own. But he told us stories about the different things that we were seeing and what to look at and where to go. And I would highly recommend it. So shout out to Rick Steves. We, we saw where Julius Caesar was burned and a bunch of old arches and columns. And I don't even remember what they were for, but it was cool. One thing that really stood out to me about Rome was just how busy it was for a random early weekend in March, because it was crazy. We went to the Vatican really early in the morning because tickets to enter at specific times, like advanced ones, were sold out on the Vatican website, on every third party website you could think of. And I was really nervous that we weren't even going to be able to get into the Vatican. And so we went really early in the morning and ended up getting in fine, thankfully. But even by, I want to say like 7.38 in the morning, it was so busy. Same for the Colosseum. We actually got lucky and were there on the first Sunday of the month. And on the first Sunday of the month, all of the state-run... All of the state-run exhibits, museums, the Colosseum, like that, all that kind of stuff are free. So we were actually able to go into the Colosseum and Forum for free, but you had to get there early and stand in line. We planned on getting there an hour early. We ended up getting there an hour, 30 minutes early. Just our morning moved along faster than we expected. And thank God we did, because it opens at 9 we got there 7.30. By 8.30, the 
the line was wrapped around the Coliseum and down some street. You, you couldn't even see the, the end of the line. That was nuts. There's so many people. Granted, it did save us a lot of money by coming so early. I think when we looked up ticket prices, it was close to 50 euros for both of us to get in. And so it saved us quite a lot of money. But man, was it busy. And man, was it cold. I think that's another thing that we're still having to adjust to because our first three countries we went to, it was basically warm, sunny, hot, shorts weather. And here, it's pants, shirt, at least one jacket, if not two jackets. So that's just definitely something that is new for us at this point in our trip. So we're about halfway through the episode here. Why don't we switch to Florence? What was your expectation of Florence? And and has it met that expectation? Is it exceeding? Is it underwhelming? Well, I knew Florence would be a smaller feel. And it definitely met that it feels more like a quiet not quiet but a quieter italian town very you can find little sleepy streets where there's nobody on them and it's pretty walkable i would say i mean we're kind of on the outskirts of the main part of florence but i it still only takes us about a half hour to get to all the main sites on foot so i appreciate that a lot and it just feels very serene to me right now probably because of the time of year that we're here it's a little bit the off season but the buildings are also beautiful they're these rich earthy tones like reds and yellows and browns and there's a river that runs through the middle of it and there's all these cobblestones and i just i don't know i just really like it what about you yeah i've I've very much enjoyed the the small city feel of it we've gone to the grocery store twice experienced that Figuring out new dishes to make because the ingredients aren't always the same. Figuring out what the ingredients are, how to ask where they are in Italian. All that fun stuff. We've gone to a couple restaurants for dinner and lunch. We have not found a pasta that's kind of knocked our socks off. Which is really surprising. Like I assumed that every pasta in Italy would just be amazing and the best pasta we'd ever had. But honestly, none of them have been bad. Right. But none of them have been anything I think I'm going to remember in six months. We have had really good pizza. We had on our food tour, I think we had, at least I I think I'm going to remember it, the Coccoli. We've talked about it a couple times on Instagram, but it's... It was a fried ball of dough with uh, prosciutto and a soft cheese, and uh, it was extremely good. And we've had a sandwich here that we keep talking about, and it was just some cheap $5 sandwich or 5 euro sandwich, and it wasn't any of the popular places. I mean, there was maybe a two-person line when we got there, and it never grew more than that. They just kind of kept moving through. But the meatball marinara sandwich we had there was so good. I'm still thinking about it. You're going to be talking about that sandwich when we're at the end of the trip. <laughs> One pro tip that I learned, well, we I think we were in Rome. I don't remember for sure. But 
I love the American style of cheese pizza. And I learned when we went to a pizza place here in Italy that if you see something that would translate to four cheese pizza, it doesn't always mean that there's anything else on it. So when I ordered that, it was literally a pizza crust with cheeses on top. No tomato sauce, nothing. Just basically a cheesy bread, which don't get me wrong, I love a good cheesy bread, but when I'm picturing a four cheese pizza, that's not it. The pizza I got at that place was really good. I'm just, sorry, I'm just thinking back remembering. We've had some really good pizza. Sadly, the pasta hasn't lived up to it, but the pizza definitely has lived up to what you hear. Yeah, I would say the paninis in general have oh, also yeah. lived up to what you imagine. We've tried to hit all of our major Italian food groups. Yeah. I am, I guess I'm just bitter, but the... The, the one that everyone recommends, the lines are out the door 50 people long sometimes. The sandwich wasn't that good to, to warrant 50 people standing outside the line. And, and there have been multiple people that have recommended this place. And the sandwich was okay. It wasn't bad. But I, I'm just upset that I stood in that line for that sandwich. We've also had a lot of gelato. Yeah. Uh, We have learned that the best way to tell if a gelato place is authentic and it's going to have like top quality food is by looking at how they store the gelato. So if you can walk in and you see like a heaping colorful pile of gelato with like toppings and stuff on it, it means it's probably not very good because evidently the way that you keep the most strong flavor and the best gelato is by keeping air out of it. And so if you can find somewhere that has like a steel container that you can't see the color of the gelato, just the name of the flavor, that is likely to be better because there's no air. Okay, we've talked about food for about five minutes now. Your parents are like, move on. (laughs) We're tired of hearing about food. We've gone on a couple tours. We went on a walking tour and Surprise, surprise, we went on a food tour. Why don't you tell us about the walking tour? So that's one of my favorite things to do in European cities is like a free tip-based walking tour because they often will show you stuff that you might not, or you might have found on your own, but you wouldn't have necessarily known what it was. And our tour guide was awesome. He told us a bunch of stories about the impact that the Medici family had here in Florence, which if you know anything about the city of Florence, they were almost like the government, they, they ran it at one point in history. And pretty much everywhere you go, you see that telltale Medici crest with this, what is it, six yeah. balls on oh, the crest. Yeah. And I don't know, I really enjoyed the tour because it gave me some historical context for all the stuff that we were looking at. And we have since decided to buy what's called the Florence card, which is an 85-year-old card that gets you basically unlimited access to museums for 72 hours. And... So now that we've been on that walking tour and we're going to the museums, I find those two really went perfectly hand in hand. What about you? Yeah, I had a great time on the tour. He, he, Like you said, he was great at telling stories. And it was like it similar to Rick's like the Rick Steve, Rick Steve's tours. It's just nice hearing someone talk about the things you're looking at. Someone who actually knows what they're talking about. Or at least the tour guide made it seem like he knew what he was talking about. He could have been he could have been talking out of his butt, but 
he sounded smart and um it's just nice having someone explain what you're looking at so i very much enjoyed that yeah and i enjoyed the food tour that we went on as well but if if you only had time for one i would say definitely do a walking tour so like i mentioned we decided to pay for something called the florence card or the Firenze card if you're looking it up online which I think I said costs 85 euros for 72 hours of museum access. And you can extend that for free for an additional two days for an additional 48 hours. And basically we, well, I sat down and listed out all of the museums that I wanted to see and did the math and basically ended up being pretty significantly cheaper for us to do the card and extend it. And so we, over the last two days and also tomorrow, have hit a ton of museums. So I've got the list. We've gone to Palazzo Vecchio, San Marco Museum, Uffizi Gallery. Um, we did not hit Dante's house. Academia Gallery. And this is going to be fun. Opificio della Pietre Dure Museum. And we went to San Lorenzo. And... Yeah, Palazzo Strazi. Uh, I think the Uffizi Gallery is my favorite. I just think that that's where all the, you know, the the ones you have to see when you're in Florence were at. All of the Michelangelo, all the Raphael, all of the... Who's the other one? Donatello, maybe? No, I don't think it was Donatello. But, you know, they're, the big names of Florence are all there... Um, other than David, but yeah, it was it was really cool walking around the old offices of the uh, capital. Yeah, the Uffizi was really good, but I would be wrong to say that seeing the David in person was not a really cool experience because we did that this morning and we'd seen replicas around town there's one outside of the piazza repubblica and there's another one somewhere else i forget where and they're very impressive but they're on these really tall pedestals outside and when we went in today and we saw david inside on like a not that tall of a pedestal it was just striking how large and impressive he was he's 14 feet tall which yeah, is crazy. Michelangelo is very talented, which I know I'm not like I'm probably person number five billion to say that, but he was really good at sculpting, and I found it very impressive. So we've got another day of museums tomorrow, and then my master's class actually starts on Monday. So we'll be changing our day-to-day flow a little bit, but I'm hopeful that a couple hours a day I'll be able to knock out most of the stuff. And we've also booked a day trip to the city of Pisa, which has the Leaning Tower, and also the city of Lucca. And we're looking into also booking a trip to Siena and a trip to Venice. And someone's coming to join us finally, on kind of. They just happen to be traveling in Europe the same time. But, but we're going to get to see them. Uh, my friend from college, Brighton is coming i don't know if they listen to our podcast or not but shout out brighton we're very excited to see you we're gonna go to a syria game that's soccer for those of you who are like me and didn't know that 
is we're going to it's the top flight of Italian soccer or football, um, Syria, and we're very excited about that. So, anything else you're really looking forward to in the next two weeks of being in Italy? Yeah, we're going on that wine, the winery and cooking tour, which will be fun. So we're going to go to a winery, do a little cooking class, drink some wine, eat some food, maybe tour the grounds. I, I, that sounds about perfect, perfect tour for the two of us. And we'll keep trying pasta. Yeah, I'm and, determined that we're going to find a pasta that we're going to be like, oh, remember that? And paninis. We're going to eat more paninis and more gelato and... Basically Italian food. <laughs> <laughs> Keep snacking throughout the day. Oh, I have to talk about the coffee maker. That's been an experiment. And I don't know if anyone listening to this podcast is going to care. But basically, none of our other Airbnbs, except for the last one, which was in the house in Australia, have had really a coffee maker at all. And so I've just been only doing instant coffee. But we got here and there was this, evidently it's called a mocha pot, but I didn't know that when we got here. The coffee maker that is three pieces and it has been an adventure for me, experimenting with how to make Italian coffee, which is basically espresso in a simple machine that turns out to be not so simple. So I am happy to report that I seem to be getting better at making coffee with it, but it is still an adventure in progress. We also should talk about our place. Mm -hmm. So we are, like we said, in a smaller neighborhood outside the city center. It's just across the river and a little north, little south from the I was gonna say east <laughs> from from the city center but it's it's this cute studio apartment there's kind of rooms but not really there's sliding doors separating the kitchen and the the bedroom um, we have this teeny tiny little washer machine so we have to do the wash every single day uh, because anything more than that not too much clothes to to wash no dryer as always, um, we have a sofa couch, or a sofa bed, not a sofa couch. <laughs> we have a sofa bed that's uh, not too bad. Um, it has a mattress topper on there. It's it's soft. It's a little lumpy. The, the, the pillows are a little lumpy. Um, it's comfier than Vietnam. That's all is, I have to say. It is absolutely comfier than Vietnam. I'm not complaining. I'm just, I'm just kind of <laughs> throwing out facts here. We had some trouble with the hot water for a little bit because there's a light switch to turn off and on, on and off the the water heater. We were doing it the wrong way. Took took a cold shower. That was fun. What else? The kitchen's pretty well equipped, which I really appreciate. There's multiple cutting boards, which is like crazy for an Airbnb. There's a reasonable set of dishware and pots and pans, which we're super, super stoked about. The one thing it's missing that I find really odd is that there's not really like a chopping knife of any sort. There's only a serrated one to cut bread. But I mean, whatever, that's fine. It's just a little odd. But overall, I would say it's cute. It's definitely a traditional Italian building. We're in, like, a, like you said, a small neighborhood. And I think it's exactly what we need. Yeah, absolutely. What's been your favorite meal that we've cooked here so far? We did make 
a really good pasta. I think it was like maybe the first night we cooked here. And that was when we discovered that our next door neighbor has a keyboard. And so while we were making our pasta for dinner. It was right when we sat down to eat. Oh, yeah. Right as we sit down, we start hearing this like jazzy, peaceful keyboard music. And we kind of look at each other and like, hmm, okay, there are worse things to have in a neighbor. Yeah, it's pretty romantic. Just eating our home-cooked meal, eating some bread, and listening to some music. It was nice. Yep. We also, another thing that's quirky about this apartment is the toilet. I don't even know how to describe it. There's no tank attached to the back of it. It's up on the ceiling. And when you flush it, it runs and drips for... 15 minutes? I was going to say more. It's probably about 15 minutes. And it's very quirky. That's all I'll say. It um, it does sound a bit like someone's peeing if you're listening in the background. I don't think it's running right now, but I'm sure at some point in our podcast while we're here, you're going to hear that and go, what is that? It's the toilet. But I think that's pretty much everything that we have to talk about. We will report back what we thought of the remaining museums and... The, our quest to find the best pasta and gelato and pizza and yada, yada, yada. But we hope you enjoyed this episode. So thank you so much for tuning in. Catch you next time.